Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson. I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. What's going on, Anthony? So much, David. I have a cold slice of pizza here, some leftover Cuban coffee at 2 a.m. What could, what could be better than that? That's exactly what we need right now. And uh, joining us once again from inside the bubble, He's, I assume, has a, a big cup of big face coffee uh, for this 1.30 a.m. recording. It's uh, Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press. What's going on, Tim? You know, I'm actually, can, can I say, well, it's 1.30 in the morning. Can, can I say I'm enjoying a, a nice adult beverage, um, but there were no, like, snacks, like, no, like, crunchy snacks left in the media dining dorm place that I'll definitely never miss after I leave here, so... I, I'm having a gin and tonic with some fig newtons. It's every bit as delightful as it sounds. Let me just tell you. Yeah, that's the uh, the one thirty a.m. meal of champions. Um, it Tim, really is. I, I want to go to you first. We are we're recording this. Um, the Heat just took a three-one lead in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're one win away from the NBA Finals. Uh, Tyler Hero, thirty-seven points. Tim, you were in the building uh, in one of those arenas. I don't know the names of all of them. Um, just what was the vibe like after the game? Obviously, you know, there, there was the Brianna Taylor news today, which um, took, you know, that was obviously a focus for a lot of guys post-game. But just those moments in really the fourth quarter as Tyler was going off and it was kind of starting to become clear that the Heat were going to take a 3-1 series lead in that fashion. Just what, what was it like in the building? So it was, it, it, well, it was clear in the third quarter. And then it wasn't clear on the fourth. Mm-hmm. And then Daniel Tice scores to give him the lead. And then I think Miami scored like the next eight. Yeah, like that, that sounds right. So Seven or eight. Whatever it was. It, it was, it wasn't a coming out party, party for Tyler because I think, I don't think he needs one of those. I think he's kind of already had them. But it was fascinating just to see not just the scoring, but like every decision. Like the Celtics would run two guys at him. He'd make the right pass. They, they, every, and I'll say this: like I was sitting down the baseline tonight. I was sitting. If you were watching the game, and of course you were watching the game. Um, the end, the Heat was shooting at in the second half. I was sitting ten feet behind the other baseline at the other end. Okay, I had a really good view of everything the Heat were doing on offense. And there were times, guys, when it looked like nine people on the floor were really, really tired, and this highly caffeinated twenty-year-old was just running around going crazy. Like it just, he just seemed like an immense bundle of energy, but it was controlled energy. And even when it became a two point game, a couple of times in the last few seconds, mm-hmm. when, you know, when they filed a three point shooter, because that's what the Miami heat do. Um, you, you never got the feeling that it was getting away from them because you just knew that the kid would, the kid would be fine. The kid would be okay. Just give him the ball and everything would be fine. It was, um, there was a lot going on, but I'll say this, the, the, what what you're seeing on TV about how happy they all are for each other when you get away from the cameras and you get back toward the locker room and when you get them in private moments heading out to the bus and stuff like that, it's very real, guys. It's very, very real. Yeah, I mean, I think we all kind of know that just from being in the locker room throughout the year. And what's impressive is, I guess, the way they've been able to keep it up in in, a, in this atmosphere where some teams and some players have clearly um, – you know, not responded to the bubble in the same way that, that the Heat has. Um, and we've talked about it on here, too, the fact that they really, you know, 
after all those Bucks wins, you know, they, they knock out the number one seed. They, they never really seemed like they got too high at any point, really. Um, and tonight, just watching on TV, felt like maybe as joyous as they had been, like kind of post-game and in the waning moments of the games. But I don't necessarily think it was because they're one win away from the finals. It's because they were having so much fun watching Tyler drop 37 on the Celtics. Yeah, like uh, to me, it's kind of Tim touched on it, but what's been most impressive about Tyler is we've known for a while now he's more than just a shooter. I think that was pretty obvious pretty early on, even though that was that's what he was labeled as, you know, entering the draft or when the Heat selected him. Um, but it's the fact that it's gotten to the point where, okay, we know he's not just a shooter, but now he's like, you want the ball in his hands late in games because you know he's gonna probably going to make the right decision. He's one of your best offensive players already. Um, the pace he plays at it just like there's been a, there were a few plays whether he's driving to the basket, kind of does like an outside dribble that to to, to, to kind of make the defender pause and, and finds an open three point shooter where it's whether it's Andre in the corner or Jimmy, um, he just plays at a really really nice pace. He sees his good court vision. It seems like he's usually making the right play. Um, it's just really really impressive for a 20 year old um, at this level to be playing that way. And you kind of keep waiting for him to have that game. We're like, okay, he's he's 20. He's a rookie. Um, and then tonight he has one of the best games for a rookie in playoff history, which is just crazy. Um, so, man, I just, you know, it's, it's it's getting to the point where it's just like game after game, what else can we say? But um, he just keeps getting better and better, it seems like. Well, to that, Anthony, like I, I learned something tonight. And, and I wrote about it. And I couldn't get into like all the detail because you can't, squeeze 25,000 words into a game story. Let me tell you a quick story about the notebook. Um, yeah, Bam mentioned this after the game. I hadn't heard about Bam this. Bam mentioned it. And then, so, one of the advantages of being there was Tyler was still in another room doing his post game. And so I waited for him, and I'm like, hey, I got to ask you about this notebook. And he gives me this weird look, and I'm like, do you not want to talk about it? And he goes, no, 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 it's cool. And I said, can I write about it? And he said, yeah, I don't care. So he takes his backpack off and he pulls out this red spiral bound regular old notebook. Nothing fancy, like the ones you buy at CVS for like a dollar nineteen or whatever notebook costs now, I don't know, but like a college kid's notebook. And the notes are meticulous in there. Sets that he sees, sets that he likes, his points of emphasis, and, and he's he's kept this really meticulous log of what worked today, what didn't work today, where do I have to get better? And the thing I really liked was he puts in there like what he was feeling. Was it a good day? Was it a bad day? What did I like about today? What didn't I like today? What was I thinking? He's a 20-year-old, guys. He's a 20-year-old. And, and he learned, he actually told me that he learned the importance of this when he got hurt, when he did the, the foot, ankle, whatever it was thing back in February. Mm-hmm. That's when he started doing this. And, you know, a friend of his told him to do it. He has studied this stuff. And then he sends what he sees from himself to Chris Quinn, and they work on it. This kid is a student of the game, a student of the heat, student of the playoffs, but he's also a student of him. He's learning about his own game as he goes along. I, we, we just think of this kid for his his drip, his swagger. You know, he's he's Tyler Hero. He's just the, he's the coolest guy ever. He takes this thing so incredibly seriously, and and for him to, I mean, 
it was cool to see that notebook. Like I didn't like take photos or video yeah. of it because nobody should know really what's in it. And I can't even, I couldn't even tell you. Like I was just like mesmer, like I was like glossed over when he showed me it. Th- th- this, they don't do this guys. Like 20 year olds that are millionaires for the first time, they don't take it this seriously sometimes. And, and this, this is just one of the things that's super, super special about this kid. Yeah, yeah, it's like the thing that like the special guys. Like, I, I don't know if LeBron does something similar, but like, if you told me LeBron was doing that at twenty, like, that would make sense to me. Like, it, he doesn't it's, have to. That, that guy, he's got. Believe well, it, he's, he's got like a photographic memory, I guess. So, he's yeah, he's a he's a different yeah. planet. But it's it's like that type of player that you know the, those kind of guys are the guys that you hear those stories about, and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, with Tyler, he really. Like you were saying, Anthony, it was pretty obvious right away that he was more than just a shooter, which is, I think, what kind of some people probably thought he was coming out of Kentucky. But he is like every move on offense now. His handle, he had a, uh, in, I can't remember if it was game two or game three, he did that like English dribble, where you put the, that, that Chris Paul dribble um, in the pick and roll where you put the spin on it. You know, he, His handle is good. He had that floater. The, the two plays that really stood out to me tonight um, other than, I guess, like, he had a big three right after the Celtics took the lead that, that kind of swung the game back in the Heat's favor. But he hit that floater going down the left baseline where he, like, it was like a Goron-like shot where he banked it way high off the glass. And then he had another, it was another, I think, in the second quarter, I want to say, where he kind of got, he was at the free throw line, he got the ball poked away from him. It was like a loose ball on on the deck. A couple of guys grabbed at it. And... He picked it up and like it was just a scramble situation where I was just so confident that he was going to score out of it, um, and it's he's the like he really is the most consistent offensive player they have right now. Like he is a guy that if he is open, I'm expecting him to make it in a way that um, you, no one, not even like Duncan Robinson, I I feel that way about. Yeah, and and, and you know obviously offensively he's going to get all the attention um and that's where he that's his like that's his elite skill on offense he's, he's not a great defender obviously but he's gotten so much better on yeah. the court and i think and the fact that he's doing this nope like like the story tim was telling like that makes you think he's yeah. gonna get good at it <laughs> yeah he's, i mean look you can tell already like his anticipation on defense has gotten so much better he's usually in the right spots you don't see him on the corner like, wow, this guy's a liability on that end. And early on, there were moments where you're like, I don't know if he can play late in games because I don't know if he could hold his own defensively. Here he is. He's played the most fourth quarter minutes for the Heat in the playoffs. Um, and that's not just because of offense, because if, if he wasn't a good defender, he would not be in the game in those important moments. Uh, I think it just says a lot, not only how far he's come offensively and just becoming a more all-around player on that end of the court, but just defensively that Eric Spolstra, the Heat of all organizations, trusts a 20-year-old to play more minutes than anybody on the roster in the fourth quarter in the playoffs. I mean, that's – if you want to know how good Tyler Hero is, that's that says it. Says it. There's a couple things I can say coming out, coming out of what Anthony just said, too. Okay. Yeah, you want to do that, and then we'll pivot over to, um, I guess, just like the three one of it all, and okay. um, I don't know, maybe some Jimmy stuff. He was pretty right. good tonight. All right, so I'll just pick it up. Yeah. So three, two, one. 
you know, and, and to that fourth quarter stuff, Anthony, like, I can't remember how much time was left because it seemed like the last minute of that game took like 25 minutes. But so they, the, the Celtics were so obviously um, enamored <laughs> with guarding Tyler. Again, from where I was sitting, like, that corner three that Goron had was – Oh, my God. There wasn't somebody yeah. within a square mile of him. <laughs> like, not a square mile. Like, it was amazing how open he was. And, and that's – so Tyler's now – at that. forget what he's doing with the ball, forget the scoring, forget the passing, forget the, the growth he's shown on the defensive end. Like, scared is definitely the wrong word. Like, the Celtics aren't scared of anybody. They're not, they're not scared of the series yet, even being down 3-1. But just the absolute respect that they have for what this kid can do, they're forgetting – a really good point guard. <laughs> they, they're, you, you can't leave someone with, when you're trying not to go down three one. You're not leaving anybody that open. And they had so many eyeballs on Tyler Hero that yeah. totally forgot Goran Dragic was there. And it was one of those deals where Goran was so open, I figured he'd miss it because he was that open. And that's what NBA guys do when they're that open; they miss because they don't know what it's like to be that open. Um, that that's just part, another yeah. part another of the many, 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 many parts of the impact that, that this kid is having on winning right now. Yeah, I, I, yeah. And one, and one, one storyline that I think, you know, obviously it's not going to be talked about publicly, but I think it's just ironic that Boston picked, had the pick after Miami in last year's draft. And reports done. are that Boston was very interested in Tyler. Oh, I can, um, it was a coin toss, right? Yeah. Well, the coin yeah. toss broke up the Sacramento, Miami, Boston logjam. Right, but I know the reports that were out there. I can confirm it that the Heat were number one. So Tyler was, I believe, eighth, eighth or ninth on the Heat board. I can't remember which. Whoever was ahead of him, whether it was seven guys or eight guys, they were all gone. So they were taking him no matter mm-hmm. what because he was the top guy left on their board. But they were fully aware that if they decided to go a different direction for some reason, and by the mm-hmm. way, Casey Akpala was also very high on their board, much higher than people realize. If they had gone in a different direction, they knew the Celtics were taking Tower Hero. Yeah. So, again, it's just very, very... And by the way, someone had this great tweet. I forgot even who it was. All the shooting guards that have been like... So, Devin Booker's favorite player was Kobe. Kobe got drafted 13th. Devin Booker got drafted 13th. Tyler tries to be Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. Tyler got drafted 13th. There's just some crazy stuff yeah. going on with that 13th yards. Yeah. I'd, I'd well, love to know who the six or six. But before we got the Tyler subject, do you, I know it's kind of crazy to say, I don't want to overreact. Obviously it's, it's one game, but we've kind of seen it now for the entire playoffs from Tyler. Do you think next year he could be the Heat's best offensive player? I know we've seen it in moments and like tonight he was the best offensive, Heat's best offensive player. But do you think for a season, in his second NBA season on a roster with Bam and Jimmy, that Tyler Hero can be the most most consistent, best offensive player on the roster. Definitely, I think. I mean, I think the the other guy would be like Goron. Like, is Goron healthy? Does he play like kind of a full type of season, or is he kind of on the load management thing again? But like, I mean, Jimmy and Bam are still the two best guys on the court. But um, I don't know. You want guys that can put it in the bucket, and and those guys have done it better than anyone else in the playoffs to me for the Heat. I mean, can I go a step further? And, and I was talking with a player about this two days ago. So this was not influenced by watching the kids score 37. 
he's their best offensive player now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's either him or Goron to me. And and it's not Goron. It's him. Like I mean, Goron's been great. Don't get me wrong. Goron's been fantastic. Um, and a big part about game four was you saw how much he needed three days off. I mean, Goron had a spring in his step again. Mm-hmm. Um, so the break definitely helped Goron. I, I don't think there's any question to Anthony's, to Anthony's question. I don't think there's any question. That, I mean, and again, like the the really good ones, like that number three guy, with Shaquille, that second year. I mean, Shaq had Shaq was dominant, sure, mm-hmm. but Dwayne was pretty good, <laughs> and and there's no reason. I mean, I, I just put it this way: if he's not the best player, if he's not the best scorer, not best player. If he's not the right. best scorer on next year's team. And that doesn't mean leading scorer, because we all know Spo does different stuff. Yeah. But if he's not the most dependable, biggest moment scorer for this team next year, then I don't think that team might not, that team might not go very far. Um, yeah. I think he has to be great for them to be great. And what, he was great tonight. And here they are a game away from getting to the place that I don't think too many people thought was a possibility when the season started or even when this bubble started. No, definitely not. Um, and I think the league, I think you're seeing it kind of all across the league, the rise of like the shooting guard again, right? Like for so long, I feel like that was kind of a kind of a down position in the league other than like, you know, Kobe and Wade, obviously. And then there was kind of a gap. But now you've got, I mean, it's, it's that kind of hybrid point guard, shooting guard type of guy, obviously, with like James Harden and you know, Jamal Murray doing it. Donovan Mitchell had all of his 50-point games like the league is perfectly tailored for a guy like Tyler right now to ascend and be, um, to be to really like reach whatever the ceiling is for him. Like he, it, it, the situation, both you know, playing for the Heat in this organization, um, playing with the teammates he has, and, and just the way the league values that his type of player right now, like. He has a good chance of hitting whatever ceiling he has, and, and it's a, a pretty lofty ceiling, as we saw tonight. Um, and as you said, up 3-1, one win away from the NBA Finals, first time since 2014. Uh, like you said, no one saw this coming. I, I don't think, you know, I think Anthony and I were pretty optimistic about this Heat team coming into the year. I don't remember, like, what we kind of said they would finish, but, you know, we thought, like, 3-4-5 probably. Um Never could have seen this coming. No. I, I mean, I didn't see this coming until really after the first round, probably. I don't think I saw this coming for. Yeah, I, that's I true. I mean, they weren't even that, like, they weren't that great in the seeding games. Like, it wasn't no, I mean, like. They're, what, they're three and five, I think. <laughs> I know they're resting guys. Um, you know, against Indiana, I expected them to, to win that series. Milwaukee, I knew they matched up well, but, you know, it's still a team with the best record in the NBA with arguably the best player in the NBA. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just been kind of just building, I think. Like, I'm still I, – I, it, it still, like, hasn't hit me that they're one win away from the NBA Finals. It's crazy. I mean, this team has been around for, what, 32 seasons, Tim? Yeah. They've made the NBA Finals five times, and they missed the playoffs in three of the previous five seasons. They missed the playoffs last season, and they're, they, they're one win away uh, – and really, I mean, I know three-one deficits have been have been lost in this, you know, in the bubble. But they're in great position. I think eleven and zero, and you know, all time in series that they're up three-one in. 
like they're in great position to make the NBA Finals. That is just insane. I, I, I can't even comprehend it right now. Um, it's it's really a testament to how much this the, the player development with the guys that were already on the roster last season. Um, you know, the guys they added, obviously, in Tyler and Jimmy, um, the, the midseason trade, it's just masterful, masterful roster construction. The, the um, and, and you see it in the playoffs. The midseason trade was so good. I mean, oh, it, was, oh, it, it completed this team. It, it, it just was the perfect. They needed, they needed those two guys. Imagine this Heat team without those two guys. You know, obviously, Tyler and, and Jimmy and Bammer and Garner have been playing great, but this team would not be where it is right yeah, now. Yeah, if you swap in James Johnson for Jay Crowder and uh, I don't even know who you swap in for Iguodala at that point. Like, I, I guess Derek Jones would be getting more minutes. Like, it's not not even close to the same team, obviously. Anthony knows what I want to say, but I'm not going to say it. It's too yeah, late. I want to too say late it. for that. I do think it's funny that that Justice made such a big deal about winning a scrimmage <laughs> back in July. Yeah, that, that feels like a million years ago now. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Um, to talk about how much of a surprise this was, I, I think we can all agree that the guys in Vegas are usually pretty good. They're, they're pretty spot on on their stuff. One of the boards out there for preseason odds there were 14 teams with better odds of winning a championship than the yeah. Heat. 14. They were expected to be squarely middle of the pack. 43 wins. The Spurs had better odds. Raptors, Nets, Pacers, Blazers, Celtics, Nuggets, Jazz Warriors, Sixers, Rockets, Bucks, Lakers, Clippers. In reverse order, obviously. All had better odds coming into the season. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody. And, and it's, and I think part of it was, you know, they didn't make the playoffs last year and they lose the best player in franchise history to retirement. And Jimmy was supposedly this uncoachable, you know, bad guy. Yeah. That was like the kind of unpredictable factor to this all, right? Like, even if you were kind of pro Jimmy and optimistic about Jimmy, I don't think you could have, I don't think just, unless you like, were Jimmy's best friend and like knew exactly what his personality was like. Like you couldn't have predicted the way he was gonna. The personalities on this team were gonna mesh perfectly. Like that. That's that. It's uh, very much the intangible, right? It is very much the intangible. Like, like I guess it proves the adage that sometimes you just got to be more lucky than good. Like, I just go back to some of the moments in this this franchise like where just weird things have happened that have worked out, like like Anthony Carter not opting in because his agent forgot, and that kind of sort of in a weird kind of way allowed them to go get Shaquille O'Neal. Like, mm-hmm. I mean... <laughs> how, about, how about that 11-30 and 30 start to the season? You end it 30-11, people are complaining because you didn't make the playoffs, and, and then you didn't get a top-five pick because you finished the season strong and you didn't tank. They end up with the 14th pick and get bam. That worked out. <laughs> That worked out well. Yeah. I mean, you know, Riley not taking Chris Kamen and taking the kid from Marquette in 2003. I mean, you just got to have good bounces. You just have yeah. to have some good bounces along the way. And, and this team has gotten gotten some good bounces. But I, 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 I know I said this with you guys coming into this. 
you know, we're around them every day, or at least we used to be. We're near them every day now. We all know what the heat are about. The culture is real. And the bubble, I can tell you, <laughs> the bubble is really, really hard. And I've watched other teams complain, roll their eyes, talk about how hard it is, how, how this, how that. Have we heard one thing from, from the Miami Heat about how difficult life is in the bubble? No. Nothing I can think of. I mean, Jimmy said it's hard not to have your family, sure, but like... Hey, he's, he, he's the one who said no family. Yeah, he immediately pivots to... So that's why if I got to be here, I got to bring them a trophy. Yeah. Like, they've taken it... What What's breaking... Other, what, what broke some other teams is the Heat have turned it into a strength. I mean... And that's just the quintessential Riley way. It's someone, someone on radio asked me, somebody out West, I did a radio show a couple of days ago and they were like, isn't it an advantage that the heat are three hours from Miami or, you know, that the bubble's three hours from Miami. I'm like, what difference does that make? <laughs> How does that still can't go home? Yeah. Like, how, how does that make you might as well be in. You might as well be in Seattle or Portland. I think it's probably in some ways harder for the Heat. I know it was harder for the Magic in some ways. I mean, they've yeah. got guys living ten minutes from here. They couldn't go home for two and a half months or whatever it was. I, I just, I, I just think we're watching. I mean, I don't know if they'll win another game this year. I mean, you never know. Yeah, obviously, yeah. but I, I, I just think we we have witnessed something absolutely crazy and absolutely fun in a time where we needed some crazy and some fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, and I'll be honest here, uh, you know, when this whole thing started and they're talking about, you know, I think we have an advantage because of our culture and we're going to beat the bubble and that's the way we are and our mentality will be, you know, will get us through it. You know, you think as a reporter that, you know, follows his teams closely, you, you always hear the culture thing, the culture, the culture, the culture, like, ah, you know, it might give them a little edge, but it's not going to be the difference. I was wrong. I, I really do think, like you said, I do think it's played a huge role that they've been able to flourish in this environment. It takes, it takes mental strength to do that. And you've seen it. Like they have the roster, they have the guys that seem to really, really uh, lock in in settings like this. So, I, you know, I have to admit that I kind of was like, I kind of not rolled my eyes, but I just was like, ah, I don't think it'll be as big a factor as maybe they're saying, but it has. Um, and you have to give them credit, and you have to give Eric Spolster credit. You know, he's – Pye Riley sets the tone, but he's not there. Um, Eric Spolster was there every day, you know, leaving those guys in a very tough situation, whether they admit it or not. It's a tough situation for everybody involved, um, and he's done a really, really good job in, in just getting them to be as consistent as possible and really getting the most out of pretty much every guy in the roster. It's been pretty incredible to watch. Yeah, I will say, I mean, you guys have covered the league longer than I have, but um, it did feel, you know, obviously, like, all that culture stuff comes off as cliche a lot, and I, I think in a lot of ways it probably still is cliche, but you could just tell, I think the chemistry is what sold me, right? Like, you, you could just tell that they had pretty special chemistry, I think. Um, that was just evident from being around in the locker room, and, and that was kind of what made me think they would fare pretty well in the bubble. That's, I mean, it's kind of been like the, the secret sauce of the whole season, I think. But chemistry 
can be fleeting. That's like, true. You know, there are some guys on this team that whenever free agency starts in like seven months or whatever, it's yeah. gonna be, you know, there are some guys that are going to be free agents. Yeah. You know, um, Derek Jones has not played very much yep. in these playoffs. Derek Jones is going to be a free agent. Derek Jones wants to get paid and deserves to get paid. Um, I don't know if he was the first one, but he was one of the first ones to go muss up Tyler's hair tonight yeah. when it was over with. And, you know, there's no fans here to put on a show for. Like, that's that's him just doing it yeah. out of joy. Um, you know, Kendrick Nunn, you know, I see him in practice, you know, the little bit that I can go see. He's not playing. Of course, he's not happy. But you wouldn't know it, you know? He's yeah. smiling. He's having a, I mean, he's, he's engaged. He's messing around. It, it's, it, it's some of these guys have, I mean, Myers, Myers Leonard. Yeah. I mean, Myers, Myers sets the tone for it all. I think in a lot of ways. I mean, Myers Leonard, it's the worst fate of all. You lose your job to injury. Like there's nothing more unfair than that. He gets hurt four days later. They make the trade. They realize they're a different team. I didn't really know this part until the other day that, that Spo went up to him a couple days before the seeding game started and it was like, yeah, man, we're going another way. <laughs> we're just going another way because, and Myers kind of knew it was coming. Like he knew he wasn't physically ready even in July to, to go play. But you look at this roster and it changed. It changed yeah. when they got Jay Crowder. It changed when they got Andrea Iguodala. They weren't going to play the same way anymore. And, and, and that guy has become, I think, what did I write? How did I write it the other day? The, the tallest fittest, most well-paid assistant coach in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, he's just there screaming out every every possession, screaming what's going on, every single possession. I, there's always, I've done this a long time, guys. There's always one or two guys that are not team guys. They're me guys. It's amazing that this team doesn't have one, but they don't. With a lot of guys from free agency, a lot of guys who deserve to play more minutes than they're getting, that's to me, Tyler Hero being drafted and all that. That's great. The job Spo did, fantastic. What Pat and Andy did in February, unbelievable. The biggest thing this team has done is find a way to make seventeen little mini corporations get along <laughs> and get united on one thing. It's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it does sure. seem like it's a common thread for the teams that are still alive. That those teams are the teams that are kind of the happiest there, right? Like the Celtics have seen. I mean, obviously, I'm not following all these teams day to day, but the Celtics seemed like they were enjoying being there. The, I mean, the, the Raptors who got knocked out, obviously seemed like they were enjoying being there and the, the, Raptors, the Nuggets the definitely seem like they're having as fun as pretty much anyone. Well, and then there's that other team that, yeah. And then the other team has LeBron having. and then the other team has LeBron. So that's like the exception the that proves the rule. LeBron, but I don't think they're having fun. Yeah. So it's, I'm, <laughs> Again, look, Denver, like, you know, Jamal Murray's locked up. Nicole is locked up. And they've got a lot of guys that are in pretty good positions with their contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, you got some guys on this team that are looking, like, Derek Jones looking to get paid for the first time. Right. Right? I mean, you know, you know, Kendrick Nunn's already, he's got to be thinking about his second contract already because he knows he was a bargain at three years for three million. He knows yeah. that was a bargain. Um, Kelly Olenek has his player option. Kelly Olynyk is going to have, I think, a pretty easy decision, just given what the free agency 
landscape is going to look like this year. I think he takes the option. I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't. Um, you know, Jay Crowder, I'm pretty sure wants to stay, but can they keep both Jay Crowder and Derek Jones? And, and guy, look, look, if we see all this, the guys in that room know what the numbers are as well. And they're dealing with the same uncertainty as far as what's the cap going to look like and what's really going to happen next year. And they don't know. I mean, there's rumors, but like nobody knows for certain because Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts haven't figured it out yet. This stuff would put it this, if any of the, if the three of us, I mean, and it kind of is this way for us. I mean, hello, newsflash, our field is not on the best footing of all time. Yeah. You know, what we faced, I mean, we're very, the three of us, I think, are somewhat fortunate right now, but not like I wouldn't go off buying a, buying a Lambo anytime soon. You know what I mean? So, you know, it, it's very similar for, for those guys. I mean, they don't know what the future is going to look like, but there's no, nobody's worried. You know, Pat says, avoid the disease of me. And, and they've all bought into that. I guess that's part of that cliche culture. But I, I, if, if there was one or two guys, even one or two guys at the end of the roster who were upset and were negative and were bringing bad energy around that team, they wouldn't still be playing. I fully believe that. All right, let's wrap up here. Um, what is your confidence level going into game five? Do you think they get this done? Is, we're, 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 are, are we, is it inevitable? Where, where's the confidence level as we head into uh, a couple of chances to clinch this series? I think it's inevitable, but I, I think it goes to six. I, I, I said before the series would go six. I said before the series would go seven. So I just, I, I still would be surprised if this ends in five. At this point, I'm probably just, just trying to, just trying to stick my, my, my <laughs> prediction. But I'm going to say the Heat, the, Heat the, the Celtics win game five and the Heat win in six. I would say, I would not say it's inevitable. I mean, I picked them to win the series and, and I still believe they will, but I three, one in the bubble doesn't do anything for me. It, it doesn't. Um, yeah. I mean, kind of agree was there. the first time in, in the four games with a double digit lead I mean, they have not been able to get separation from Boston. And even tonight, like Jason Tatum couldn't literally could not throw, could not find the backboard on a couple of shots. And, you know, it was still a nip and tuck game. Um, you know, if they come out, if they come out and to use a spoism here, if they come out and they put their fingerprint on the game first Friday night, then this thing could be over Friday night. Um, I, I think the, if they step on Boston early, they've got a really good chance if they wait to see if they can just, you know, mess around and pull it out in the fourth quarter. I mean, Boston is going to play for its life. And those are some, yes, you know, they're all lottery picks and whatever. There's some dog in those guys. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's inevitable. I do think they, man, I, I wouldn't say it's over. Um, I think game five is going to be a great training ground for what the NBA finals is going to be like you are going to have to value every single possession. The Heat are 11-2, and two, guys. How many of the 13 games would you say they've played great? Three? Four, maybe? Tops? There's I don't a lot think they played games. great this series in any of the games. I, I thought, well... I thought today they were pretty good. Tonight, you could argue they were okay, yeah. But 27% on three. I mean, I know well, it's more that's, than that. That's making and missing, though. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Not, that's not playing. 
I, I think they figured some stuff out, it seems like. But, you know, the zone obviously is working for the most part. You know, obviously, you know, guys are going to get going against it from time to time. But it's definitely flustering the Celtics a little bit. And, um, you know, Tyler is the bailout option on offense. I mean, he's not going to go for 37 every night. But he, like, he literally gets better every game, it feels like. Um, and... I think the aggressive Jimmy tonight was that was a difference in the first quarter. Um, just yeah, 20, to, to twenty shots. I mean, yeah. I, I don't like know I, I don't know the numbers in front of me, but is that a playoff high for him? Or I think most? so. He was averaging. He had ten in the first half, and he was averaging like thirteen a game in the series. So he was I mean, the forty point game. Although a lot of that came from the line. Yeah, I I don't have it in front of me either. But he he did set a tone. Yeah. the first few minutes, and they needed I, I it because the, with all the slow starts, like they they needed that. They need him, or you know, especially since Tyler's not in the starting lineup, they need you know one of their guys to just like make stuff happen at the start. I I have a question, I, even as the as the official guest of the pod. Um, should he be in the starting lineup? I wouldn't tinker with it now, but I mean, he's clearly, I mean, what, like, who would you swap him in for? Duncan, I guess. The obvious play would be you swap him in for Duncan, but the answer is no. Yeah. Yeah. The answer is no, but I I just wondered what you guys thought. I, I, I don't think he should be. He shouldn't be now, but next year he's a starter, right? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, let's say that today was the last game of the regular season and, like, the playoffs were starting Friday. I think, like, he would potentially be in the starting lineup. Spone loves that second unit stuff. He does. I mean, Bo sees that as if my second unit's better than your second unit, I can steal six or eight points a game right there. And what's the margin in most NBA games? Right. Well, it was like, it was that was kind of why I didn't think necessarily he was going to move Goron into the starting lineup when he did that because I – thought he liked the idea of splitting up Goron and Jimmy and having like, you know, Jimmy can run the offense and then he comes out and Goron can run the offense. But obviously Tyler has, you know, done that perfectly fine. So it hasn't really mattered. And then they just phase Kendrick out. So like, you know, they needed a point guard. That's going to be the fun part of next season is going up to the five starters on in game 82 or whatever, whatever the, whatever the season ends and be like, okay, which one of you two, which, which who's not playing anymore. Playoffs. Because it's kind of the heat way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, I kind of feel like they'll finish it out Friday. But, again, like, I know there's kind of, there was a the- prevailing theory that the teams, when they got down big, they would, you know, go away and want to leave the bubble. Obviously, it's not going to happen now, and it just hasn't played out that way at all with the Nuggets already having two 3-1 comebacks. Well, um, something we should talk about, though, tonight I, I don't think there's been a player – I want to be careful how I say this. I don't think there's been a player here who has spoken more more often and more eloquently about Breonna Taylor than Jalen Brown. Yes. And I kind of have to wonder, yes, this has been going on. The, it's been the story of the bubble. I mean, there's been things right. to talk about, things to fixate on. There's been, you know, more atrocities have happened since the season restarted. We we all know, you know, what's going on in the world. I I, I kind of wonder if if a guy like that who is such a tough tough player, like freakishly tough basketball player, but who wears his heart on his sleeve about being a black man in America in 2020 and believing that, you know, 
that you know female is the future that i mean i mean it's you know bam has talked about brianna at length um tyler gave a fantastic answer tonight when, mm-hmm. when someone asked him why'd you put black lives matter on your jersey and his answer was well because black lives matter he said more stuff than that but that's how it started and that was a brilliant yeah. way to start the answer i, I kind of wonder did the weight of the world hit the Celtics tonight a little bit too? I mean, you know, the timing was, was what, one thirty when they announced in Louisville mm-hmm. three charges, um, you know, a charge that Brad Stevens never even heard of before today, um, which amused him because just how ridiculous it was to him. Um, I just I wonder if if the Celtics are like there there are bigger things in the world right now. Now could this steal them and and invigorate them and make them come out and play great basketball on Friday? I, it certainly could, but I just I didn't see the same Jalen Brown tonight, and and I think it's I don't think it's a stretch to say that he's just profoundly sad right now for people who look like him in this country at this time. And, and I wonder if that's going to be a factor going forward. Yeah. I mean, and even, I mean, I don't, I don't know, you know, again, I don't know if this is, if this was a factor for him, but Jason Tatum looked not like himself for the first three quarters. I mean, he only scored a, a point somebody with the third quarter. Um, and he's also obviously like many others been pretty, you know, vocal. I, I know he was wearing a shirt. Very, today. Fair. Very fair. Yep. Yeah, he, he was wearing a shirt today too of, of Martin Luther King as well. Like, I mean, again, like that's the thing we, you know, we, we we talk about a little bit, you know, in the media, but we don't know the psychological, mental effect all this stuff is having. Not only living in the bubble, but dealing with everything outside the bubble is having on them. Um, and then they're being asked to perform at a elite level, you know, on, on the state and one of the biggest stage of their life, biggest stage of their lives. Um, it's a lot. So I think it is a fair point too. Yeah, I mean, that was clearly one of the worries that guys had going to the bubble is that inevitable feeling of hopeless or helplessness when something else happened and something else inevitably happened. And, um, you know, I'm sure some of that sets in when you are, you know, locked in your hotel room watching the news and being like, I wish I could be out there with people and and you're not. And obviously Jalen was a guy who was like very much on the front lines. Um, after the George Floyd uh, killing. So, um, I mean, everyone after the game obviously talked about it too. Like, they were all feeling it. You know, it was, it was weighing on everyone. Um, so, you know, like you said, it's hard to speculate on the psyche of these guys, but I don't. it's certainly fair to say it, like, loomed over the game today. There, There is definitely, though, I, I'll say this again from, from being here and, and listening to um, – you know, obviously, I mean, I think you guys know this, but just for the for the listeners' perspective, like I'm I'm not just covering Heat right. here. Like I'm going to a lot of games. I'm doing a lot of stuff with a lot of different teams. Well, there's only three other teams here now, but you know what I meant. I mean, it's been there were 22 at one point. Yeah. You know, I, I I can't think of an instance where a coach was asked a question in a pre. I mean, pre games are kind of okay. We're locked in on the game now. All right, uh-huh. this is where we get locked in. Like they're very. You know, they're very serious. This is very serious business. We're playing basketball. We're going to take basketball questions. There hasn't been an instance here of a coach saying, when he gets asked a question about 
Breonna Taylor or George Floyd or anything happening in the world. They have all not just played along, they've embraced this platform. Like they really have. Yeah. And that's why I, like, I think people think I'm just like trying to like troll other teams or whatever. When I say this is the greatest league in the world, like I really think this is the greatest league in the world because these guys are so visible. They're such enormous megastars, some of the guys in this game. And like, the answer LeBron gave last night about, you know, the L.A. Sheriff kind of like calling him out um, and, and just why he won't, why he just won't stop, why he won't back down, why he won't stop speaking his mind. Said that after a playoff loss, you know, Brad right. Stevens talked for five minutes about how he offered to make himself available to his players today to talk about Breonna Taylor. Uh, on a game day. Yeah. Eric Spolster talked before the game about what that decision meant to him. Basketball is in its proper perspective here. And I hope people are getting that. Like the people in the bubble, yes, they're here for basketball, but they are getting the, the, the I don't think the mission has been lost. They're here to use a platform and raise awareness and try to change the world. I don't think they've changed as much as they'd like, but in basketball very much feels like the other thing going on. It does feel like that they've kept the main thing, the main thing. All right. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Um, Tim, thanks as always for coming on. Um, you can follow Tim on Twitter at by Tim Reynolds. Um, hopefully we'll, I guess we'll have you back on next week, no matter what, no matter how the rest of the series plays out. Um, but I guess next time we talk, uh, we, we could be talking about an NBA finals. That's insane. That is insane. Even even next week, I still don't think it would have hit me yet. I'm still going to be like in disbelief. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DV Wilson too. Um, go to MiamiHerald.com. We've got lots of uh, heat coverage coming your way, obviously. Um all of our, our day-to-day game coverage. I talked to Jim Beheim about the 2-3 zone this week. Uh, you can awesome. check that out. That I had awesome. I needed an excuse to talk to my guy. Um, Anthony has a, uh, a, a Kentucky-centric story coming today. Probably by the time you guys, a lot of you listen to this, it'll be out. Uh, so be sure to check that out. I don't know if we want to spoil all of it. but um, It won't be as good as the Syracuse story. <laughs> just I'm sorry. And... Um, Tim, uh, check out all everything Tim's been writing uh, over at the AP, which I guess you can find in any newspaper in the world. Um, <laughs> I, I liked your story of Jay Crowder coming full circle with the, uh, what was it, Jay's dad kind of mentored UD overseas. So, Udonis is the OG here. Yeah. And Corey Crowder was his OG in France. Yeah, great story and- there. There was an awful lot of profanity from UD that didn't make it into that story, but let's just say UD was not um, um, not perfect in France. <laughs> let's, just, let's just say. Yeah, he so, grew up a lot since. So check out the all lost, that. The lost files of Udonis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lots of good uh, heat content all across the internet these days, so be sure to check all of that out. Um, Thanks, as always, for listening, and uh, we will uh, talk to you guys next week. Bye.